Last week, we, did, we talked about uh, our call to faithfulness and um, how, you know, we don't want to get legalistic or things like this, but being a follower of Jesus means we need to learn to obey him and, and to do what God says. That's why we call him Lord, right? Um, if we didn't do what he said, then it really doesn't mean anything we call him Lord, right? Um, one of the things that God tells us, each of us, is that we're also called to work. There are things that he wants us to do. Uh, and I find that great. Um, you know, that, there's, that Jesus, when he saved us, didn't just say, okay, I saved you, now just sit tight, just show up. Go meet together with other people that you may or may not like in a building um, and sing some songs that make you feel awkward, learn how to pray, read the Bible, and just sit there. Uh, to me, that would be horrible. But that God endowed each of us with purpose. Each of us with purpose. Remember that memory verse a couple weeks ago? I hope you do because it's a memory verse. But uh, it says that we are all part of the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. How cool is that? That we have work to do then as part of that body. And we're going to talk about that today. And, and I know that um, um, we've covered these things a few times this year, and there's a purpose for that. But we're called to work. God custom made you to do great things. And this morning, we're going to talk about that and how God shaped you. And we can know what God made us for by looking at our shape, right? So, for example, if I brought out a sledgehammer, Right, And you would look at the sledgehammer, and even if you had never operated a sledgehammer in your life, just the shape of it would give you some idea as to what it was designed for, right? Or a tire. right? If we brought a car tire in, and I, I wheel it up here, and you could look at the car tire, you'd have an idea of what it was supposed to do just by the shape of it. In fact, you could probably tell what kind of car it was supposed to be on, right? But a big old truck tire, you were like, that probably doesn't go on a race car. Right? It's the same way with us. Each of us are shaped differently. There is something in our design. If we look at how God made us, then oftentimes we can figure out what is it he made us to do. And the coolest thing is, is that when we're doing what God shaped us to do, it's fulfilling. It's good. I'll tell you, if you've ever tried to use a tire to drive a nail, it's frustrating, isn't it? I've never done that, but I can imagine it would be very frustrating. wasn't designed for that. Uh, and if you've ever tried to, you know, use a sledgehammer to, you know, text somebody, frustrating. A lot of times, those of us in the church, we go and we serve because there's an area to serve, but we're serving an area we weren't meant to serve in, and it's frustrating. And so the solution that oftentimes we come up with is like, I wasn't made to serve. And what a silly idea is that? The thing is, is that we need to help you. Part of the, the, the joy of, of leading in a church is that we get to, I get to help you discover your shape. So you can enter into and, and find that, that powerful work that God called you to. Now, there's something else we also have to realize before we talk about our call to work. Some people say, well, I just wasn't called to do great things, right? Have you ever felt that way, that God didn't make me to do big things? Because let's be honest, making coffee doesn't seem like a huge thing. Or getting a child a cup of cold water doesn't seem like a big thing. But God looks at things different. He didn't call any of us to do great things. He called us to be part of something great, Right? Every one of us. And I'll tell you, if the coffee isn't made and the, and the roads aren't plowed and the kids don't have water, there's a lot of things in life that don't happen. 
We're all in this together. And together we do something amazing. We build the kingdom of God on earth. We bring people from a place of death to a place of life, eternal life. Right? We overcome brokenness and bring healing as the body of Christ. How cool is that? So together, we'll talk about how do we get to work. Now, a memory verse today talks about this. Ephesians 4.16, you say, well, this looks familiar. I know we've memorized it twice already this year, but why not? Let's just memorize it again because it's a long one and it'll take a lot of repetition, which is why we're going to keep on hitting this. But Ephesians 4.16 says he makes, and he's talking about God, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Get that. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and filled with love. We have to help each other. Do you see that? You have work, but your work doesn't just affect you. It affects the whole body. And when we do our part, we don't just help ourselves, we help each other. And did you see the effect of when the body is working together well? The body is healthy. In fact, the body is growing right? And we don't just grow in size, we grow in depth and maturity, but also get this, full of love. That's to me the difference between a legalistic church where everybody's in it just, I have to go do these things, and it's all just work and drudgery, right, for Jesus. When we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, there is this heartbeat of love that is in it. We gain to, to care for one another and, and care for God in a deeper and a more profound way. The mark of a healthy church is that it is full of love. And a church that is full of love is a church where the people are doing their part, serving one another, serving God. So how do we do that? Well, we've been shaped for ministry. So did you see that? That each part does its own special work? Before that, God talks, or the the, the Holy Spirit helped Paul see that the the, the church family is a body, (laughs) right? We're all made different. We're not all the same. There's different things that we have to do, and that's good. In fact, if everybody in the church was just like you, yeah, we would get along really well, but we wouldn't get along very well at all. Right? The church wouldn't do anything. So we're supposed to be different, diverse by design, but we're made to fit together. And so God shaped you for ministry. He made you to do your own special work. So we're talking about today, how do we do that? Well, I have that acronym, and we've gone through it once this year. We're going to go through it briefly again now, um, because I think it's helpful to be able to discover these things, right? It's a process. So we'll follow it. The first one is the S. S stands for spiritual gifts. God has given you spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Right? God wants us to know how he gifted us, and that makes sense, right? Have you ever given somebody a gift and then they never recognize that you gave them that gift? It kills you, just a little death inside, right? I gave you this to do something. God has gifted you to do something. What are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are personalized gifts from God to you, right? That's the first thing. God hand-picked out. He designed something perfectly for you that he wants you to use. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. There's no Christian out there that, doesn't, that, has, that is not gifted, which I think is really cool. So if somebody says, are you gifted? You say, absolutely. And they say, who are you gifted by? I'm gifted by God. Thank you very much. Right? God has handcrafted, designed something for you to do. Now, some Christians have more than one spiritual gift. That's fine. Right? They have different things that God wants them to do. Some people have uh, uh, um, more pro- pronounced spiritual gifts. Others have some that seem, uh, that seem a little more quiet. That's fine. But God gifts you exactly with what you need. 
Now, um, some people, you know, God can give gifts whenever he wants and however he wants, right? And so uh, he gives every Christian a spiritual gift, but there are times in your life he may give you another one. That's cool because God is God and he can do great things. And if he wants to gift you with something new later on in your life, don't refuse it, right? Take it, say, okay. But if God gifts you with something, he's got a purpose, doesn't he? Now, we can use the spiritual gifts that we have for our own pleasure and our own things. And there are gifts we can use however we want. But he's given us them to us, not just so that we would enjoy them, but so that we would also use them. He expects us to use our spiritual gifts. That's why he said God doesn't want you to be ignorant about them, right? It's part of who you are. First Peter talks about this. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you. That's you, isn't it? It's not just like Aaron, God gifted you for something. And I'll tell you exactly my spiritual gift because mine was, God knew I needed something simple to identify. The moment, the days, the weeks before I, was, I, I became a Christian, I could read the Bible, and it was like holding on to a balloon that's covered with oil wearing mittens, right? I could read it, and I could barely grasp it, but I couldn't really grasp it. You know what I'm saying? Like the concepts, the ideas just didn't fit. And if I tried to explain the Bible to my friends, like the theology, what God was talking about, it was really hard. Like the words, like the concepts were just loosely there, and if I tried to explain it, I, made a, I just butchered it, right? I, I gave my friends some really bad ideas as to what, who Jesus was and what the whole purpose of everything was. The moment I accepted Jesus, I went home that night, and I opened up the Bible, and I read the Gospel of John, which John is a difficult gospel, right? He's talking about, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and you're like, what? All this, it made sense to me. It's like the mittens came off, right? I could grasp it. And not only could I grasp it, but I called my mom because I was so excited. I said, Mom, you'll never believe this. And I got to explain to her the gospel of John. (laughs) Now, why would God give me that gift? I wonder. (laughs) You've been gifted. And God wants you to use whatever gift you've received to serve others. It's not just for you. Yeah, you get to enjoy it. I love the fact when I read the scripture in my own private time, it makes sense to me. What a gift because I know what it was like when I didn't have that. Right? I love that. And that's something I get to enjoy, but it's not something I just to keep for myself. It's a gift that was meant to be used. You've been given gifts. And yeah, they benefit you in your own personal private life, and God is happy with that. He loves that, but he also gave it to you. Use it. Serve one another. You are gifted by God to do great things. If you want to know what your spiritual gifts are, that's sometimes easier for some people to find and difficult for others. We have some resources on our website, funchurch.com. If you go to the Shape series, there's a spiritual gifts inventory thing that maybe help you start um, helping to identify those. Or you can just come and chat with me, um, which is a good thing to do too. Let's talk about H. H is heart. Right? That's, that's not your physical heart because that would be crazy. Right? Every one of us has a heart, yes. But a heart really talks about the center of our motivations. Like in Luke 10, Jesus, uh, he, he refers back to the Shema where, uh, like, what's the central thing? Um, some people ask Jesus, what's the, what's, the, what's the main thing in the Bible? What's the biggest, most important command? He says, get, get this, love God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole being, right? And love your neighbor as yourself, second like it. What does it mean to love God with your whole heart? Well, certainly he's not talking about that physical piece of flesh that goes, right? He's talking about something different. 
It's the very center of our motivations. It's who we are, right? So we have to ask you, what motivates you? Because that's part of who God made you. Right? What drives you? What, what gets you excited? That's your heart. Right? And so if you're serving in an area that, that you're not excited about, that, that you're not motivated towards, it's going to be drudgery, isn't it? Have you ever gone to a job that you really, where your heart wasn't in it? And it's just hard, and you just have to go every single day. And sometimes in this life, we just have to do that. That's part of the curse. But I'll tell you, the kingdom is not under the curse. You get to serve God in an area you're passionate about, and God designed you for that. He made you want to be active in a certain area. Listen to your heart. Your heart, you can say, how do I know where my heart is at? Well, your heart dominates a couple things. First thing your heart will tell you is it dominates what you say. You ever wonder why I say the things that I say? Matthew 12, 34, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, it doesn't mean that your heart's always healthy, right? Have you ever said something and you're like, where did that come from? Well, God tells you, it came right here. You got some you need heart problems that come out as lip problems, right? But the heart also talks about if you are passionate about uh, football, guess what you're going to talk about all the time? Football. Right? If you are passionate about climbing, you're going to talk about climbing. If you're passionate about cooking, you're talking about cooking. If you're passionate about your kids, you're going to tell everybody about your kids or your grandkids, right? You're going to have pictures of them, and you're going to show people them, probably on your phone, right? What are you passionate about? It's what you talk about. So think about what do you talk about? What do you enjoy discussing? I know a lot of you are passionate about weather. All right, second thing, your heart also talks about the, the things that, that I do. The, for the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Your heart it's, 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 are your attitudes. It judges why I, I think the way I do and why I feel the way I do. Right? So there's attitudes in our heart. Sometimes our heart is sick and our attitudes are bad. Right? And so every time I see somebody, I want to strangle them. Well, that's an issue of the heart, isn't it? But there are also things in my heart where I have attitudes that, that, that are really important. For example, there's a, a gal that just joined our church this year, and it troubled her and her husband very deeply, uh, the refugee crisis. Deeply troubled her about how people are being forced out of their countries and, and have nowhere to go and there's no one to care for them, right? Deeply troubled. And so she and her husband are, decide we're going to do something about that, right? In fact, they said we're going to do like a garage sale or something. We're going to raise some money, and we're going to send the money over to Samaritan's Purse because they're doing good work. We're going to support that. And here's a plug for that. If you want to help with this, I've gone talk to the other churches, and none of the other churches have a heart for this right now. But if you have a heart and you say, hey, I'd like to come alongside and help plan that because she's not a planner, let me get you guys together. Because we want to be able to help. That's what a heart can do. Heart can drive us to help other people, can it? When you see a passion, when something enrages you, get mad about the right things, that's your heart. When something draws you, compels you, you say, I, I, wanna, I, I, I just am passionate about this thing. Listen to it. God gives you the desires of your heart. And the word of God can help us figure out if those desires are good or if they need work, right? The heart also helps us know... Uh, can uh, help us know why we act the way we do, right? Look what it says here in Proverbs. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do. 
You ever wonder why you act the way that you do? Well, look at your actions. What are the things that you spend your time doing? Those are probably where your heart is at. Right? If you spend a lot of your time in your garage tinkering away, doing things, fixing stuff, you, you may have a heart to fix things. That's great. If you love, you find that you spend a lot of time talking on the phone, giving up, you know, this where you spend time actively, you know, communicating. Maybe your heart is in relationships, right? Listen to that and use it. Use this. Help it, show it to direct you where you're supposed to work. If you have a hard time kind of figuring out, want to evaluate your heart, again, we have tools on our website, funchurch.com. The Shapes series will help you kind of, uh, some questions to help you kind of process and to figure out where your heart is at. The next thing is A. A is our abilities. These are the things that you're just good at doing, right? But there are also things that maybe you've been trained at doing, skills and talents. You know that God can use your talents? The 1 Corinthians 12 says, There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one is the same God at work. Aren't you glad that, that God doesn't make us all do the exact same thing? Like we're on some giant assembly line of faith. You know, you just have to show up and do your time. That would be horrible. But you might be good at something. And God says, you know what? There are different kinds of working. That it's by design. There are some of you I know are good at knocking down trees, right? You can take a chainsaw and knock this. And there are other, if you try to do that, you would cut yourself in half, right? So for those of you who are good with chainsaws, there might be a way that you can use that to help other people, right? And some of you are really good at cooking. And some of you can drive people to a diet, right? If you're honest, If you're good at cooking, use it. And if you're not, find where you're good at. There are different kinds of working, but in every one of them, they're they're sanctified. The difference between just doing something and doing it for the kingdom is are you intentionally investing this? Are you using those gifts to build others up? So use your gifts. You are free to do that. You have license by God. Go ahead and use those things. What a great thing. So what are you good at? But also, what trainings have you received? Right? I think, like my wife, she um, had the, the great opportunity to work at a hospital uh, in the billing department. And in that billing department, she got the great privilege of working with insurance companies who, who didn't want to pay when they should pay. Right? And so she got to do the follow-up and kind of figure out what are the boxes that need to be checked in order to help them to fulfill their moral obligations to the people that have paid for their service. Now, that was a lot of training. She had a lot of studies she had to do. She had a lot of on-the-job training. She got to do that. Now, over the last 10 years, not only has it helped her personally, but I tell you what, she's helped a lot of people. Because when you're sick, it's hard to go and talk to insurance companies, isn't it? She got training. And now you think, how can that possibly be used to build the kingdom of God? I'll tell you, when you help somebody in that way, they're like, praise God. I kid you not. You've received training too. There are things that you are good at. There are things that you have discovered and learned how to do, and you can invest those things in helping other people. That's ministry. Also, what skills have you developed? You know, there's just certain things, hobbies that maybe you've had or, or different things over time and over life you've just learned how to do well. You've gained proficiency, and you know that God can use those things? They don't have to be like Bible study or preaching. They could be all kinds of things, computer work. Uh, they can be, you know, helping to fix clothes. 
I mean, there are all kinds of things that God can use. In fact, we talked about there's different kinds of work. But in all of them, and every one of them, is the same God at work. So let God empower your work. Now, we go to P. This is my favorite one because it's personality. I love people, right? That's one of the reasons that I get to do what I do. If I hated people, I probably wouldn't be a great pastor, right? You're like, you guys disgust me. I probably probably wouldn't last very long. Um, Part of my personality, right? It's who we are. We all have unique personalities. We all have unique temperaments. And God doesn't waste personality. In fact, he made us the way we are. I love this Psalm 139. It says, you, that's talking about God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's not just that he created your body, but your inmost being. The, the, the you that's you. Ah, that's pretty amazing. And doesn't that make a difference, your personality? I mean, if you're serving in, in an area, like if you are um, an introvert and we make you a greeter, you will die, right? You're like, too many people, right? You would hate that. But if you're a really a people person and you just love being around and you care about people and all that kind of stuff, and we said, okay, I want you to, you know, uh, scrub the toilets after church because that's what's needed, right? And all by yourself and you don't get to work with anybody else and nobody else wants to be in there while you're scrubbing toilets because that's gross, right? So you would die, you know, there's different personalities, and there's a reason for that. And part of the things we say, when you're serving God the way that he designed you to serve, it's going to match your personality. In fact, your personality is going to enhance what you do. I think that's pretty cool. See, personality influences where you're going to be most effective, isn't, doesn't it? And people that are really good with details tend to excel in jobs that require detail thinking. I would be the world's worst accountant, wouldn't I? I mean, you know me. Details are, I see the big picture, right? But the, the little blades of grass, right? That hurts my eyes to squint like that. But those blades of grass matter, right? And so you don't want your CPA to be like, oh, I don't care, you've got receipts somewhere, right? You don't want to hear that. If you're good at details, there are detailed tasks that are really important for you. And if you're a big picture person, boy, we don't want to put you in a ministry that's all about details because you'd be so frustrated. Your gifting, your, your, your personality enhances, influences where you're going to be most effective. So let's find that. Let's help you be most effective. And personality influences where you're going to be most content. I can't think of anything better I could spend my life doing than this. Right? Not just preaching. The preaching is okay. I like that. But what I really love is being with you. Right? Helping you grow and seeing you, you develop in faith. I mean, that's just like life-giving. You have ministry too that's life-giving. Ministry that you're going to be so content that even if you didn't get paid, you would love to do it. Now, that is not license for you to stop paying me, by the way. <laughs> but I will tell you, I, I can't imagine a better way to spend my life. There are things that you have been called to that you would think, once you find it, I can't imagine living my life without this. Let's find it. That's personality. Now, on our website, we have a link to a really great personality test. It's super fun. And so if you need to help kind of identifying your personality, go on there. It's free. It's pretty cool. Now, E, our experiences. And this is the one that's hard, right? Life experiences shape you greatly, don't they? 
both the good things and the bad things shape you. Romans 8.20 talks about this, that God works together all things, right? For the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. See, life experiences shape who we are, and God's working in our life experiences, and that doesn't mean that all things are good. Right? God works all things for the good. In fact, God uses some pretty horrible experiences to bring about good things. The greatest evidence of that is the crucifixion, isn't it? Because there is not a one of us who can say that that was somehow on its own good. Right? You take an innocent man and you, and you kill him for a crime he didn't commit. Right? You take God who made man and you execute him for trying to love us. That's not good. From a human perspective, there is nothing good that you normally can come from such things. And yet it was that very act that saved humanity. God made it good. And there are things in your life that you have suffered that are, in and of themselves, there is no human way that you could look at and say, this can be made right. There is nothing good in this. And without God, no. There wouldn't be. In fact, that promise is for those who love God are called according to his purpose. If you haven't given your life to God, the things that you've experienced are just the things you've experienced. But God can take what you experienced. Uh, people that have been gone through hardship, God can use that. You know, there's a, a great passage that I, I've turned to oftentimes. It says, Praise be the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. If you've gone through something difficult, God will use it. But first, he's going to heal you. Right? Think about Jesus. When did he, he died? He was in a tomb. Did the gospel expand greatly at that moment? No. He resurrected. Right? He got a new body. All new power. Right? And then God used that mightily. It's not different for us. If you've gone in, in life and you've suffered some horrible things, there is permission in the gospel to confront those things and to know that God is there and he will heal you. Allow him to heal you so that you can use those things. One of the reasons, ways that you can know if you've got things in your past you haven't healed from is you're going to sense this, this feeling called shame. The coolest thing about in the gospel is there is no shame in the kingdom. Right? That's the whole idea of propitiation, that God not only he saved us and he paid the price, but also he propitiated, he took God's wrath for all the brokenness. So God's not up there looking at you with eyes of disapproval in the kingdom saying, oh, I know what you did. It says in Scripture, in fact, he moves, removes our shame from us, our sin as far as east is from west. He doesn't remember it anymore, all those types of things, right? That's why when it says when we are forgiven, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just not just to forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you're looking into your past and you have regret and shame, you have healing that needs to be done so that God can use that to help others. Get this, we help others in the troubles, How? with the same comfort we receive from God. I know people who have gone through horrible atrocities, things that to me I can't even imagine going through. And, and that long walk, a process of healing, brings them to a point when, when somebody else comes with that same kind of brokenness, they can speak a hope that I never will be able to speak to anybody else in that brokenness. They could say, you can be healed from this, because I have been healed from this. Let me show you how. 
See, we speak from experience. Now, here's the thing. Every single one of us has gone through difficult things, haven't we? God uses that brokenness. It's not by accident. He uses it for powerful things. But heal first, then invest. So if you have a point that you need to heal, you need to start bringing that to God. Maybe you need to come alongside. There there are other people in the body of Christ that are good at counseling, that are good at talking, that are good at healing, that are good at helping. You're not in this alone. So heal because there are other people that have gone through difficult things and are there waiting to use that gift to help you. But once you have healed, if there are things you've gone through and that you have healed, use it because there are other people in the body and in this world who are broken. And they need the hope of the healing of Christ that you have experienced. They need to see it. Not just for me on a Sunday that says it's theoretically possible, but they need to see it in you that it's absolutely, it's a reality. Right? So use it. Invest that pain. But also this. Invest the good things. Every one of us have been blessed, haven't we? You know, God is so good. He gives us so many blessings and he wants us to enjoy them. So enjoy them but also use them. How selfish would it be for us, those of us who were brought up in a good home, right? And you know a lot of people don't have that opportunity, not brought up in a good home. If you've been blessed with being brought up in a good home, use that experience. Help other families, right? Help other kids. Coach, get out there, help. If you've been blessed with wealth, that's a great thing. Use it, enjoy it. It's a blessing from God, but also invest it. I tell you, if you have been blessed with a good body, a healthy body, you know how many people in this world don't have a good body? Use your health. It's a gift. Enjoy it, right? It's good to have good health. That benefits you every day. But use it. All of these things that God has used are shaping you. It's who you are. See, God shaped you. God shaped you perfectly for ministry. Ephesians 2.10, if you ever feel bad about yourself, you just read this passage. We are God's masterpiece. Do you ever feel like a masterpiece? You're like, walk out of the shower in the morning, you know, like, I am a masterpiece. Look at me. You are a masterpiece. Wherever you go, God made you. He has prepared you for ministry. In your entire life, he's been at work in your life preparing you for this moment and the next. And he is preparing you still for greater things that he has for you. You are a masterpiece perfectly constructed by God to do great things, to be part of something far greater than you ever could have imagined. And here's something that blows my mind. Not only is it that we are created God's masterpiece, but it's a double fit. God didn't just shape you perfectly, but get this. He also created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has custom-designed work that fits you. It's a double custom fit. He made you perfectly for ministry, and he made these ministries perfectly for you. So what do we do with it? I think the stars, we, we, we were without excuse, God called us to work, and he made that work. He shaped you perfectly for ministry, and God has shaped that ministry perfectly for you. Today, you are designed to do good things. He's prepared you for it, and he's prepared good things for you. So let's get about, and let's do them. How do we go ahead and do that? Well, in your connection card, I have some suggestions. 
First thing that you want to take this out on the back side, some things that you may want to start with. You may want to uh, memorize Ephesians 4.16. That's going to be a, a great thing, right? Because it reminds you that you have good work to do, and that work is to serve other people, and the evidence of that work, and when we do this, when the church is doing this, it's healthy, it's growing, it's filled with love. There's motivation. There's purpose in this. Live with purpose. Or maybe what you want to do is just read the whole book of Ephesians. It's a letter. It's not terribly long, but it's powerful. And it talks about the body. How do we fit together? If you want to see what God says, how is a healthy church supposed to be healthy? How are we supposed to do this? Read Ephesians. This is his plan. And maybe what you need to do is have those ministry interviews. I know I've been talking about it basically every week for the last six months. If you haven't had one yet, come get your ministry interview. Let me prepare you for ministry. Let's help the church. Let's get you involved in ministry. Maybe you've signed up for a ministry interview and we just haven't been able to, to connect yet. Let's connect. Let's get together. Let's, let's help you start serving. Or maybe you already are serving. That's great. Serve. You're already in it. That's great. Maybe for you, though, maybe what you need to do is just start. Maybe you know what God made you to do. Maybe you know where he's called you to go. Maybe you've just been timid about it. Said, is this really what God wants from me? Or I don't know if maybe I'll fail all this. Get this. God custom made you for the ministry and he custom made the ministry for you. Go and serve. It'll be awesome. And you're going to find yourself in a place that living with purpose and with this type of, of contentment that this world can't offer. And you say, well, maybe I won't do great things, but you'll be part of something great. And you'll get to see the kingdom of God not only built in you, but in this church family. We will be healthy and growing, and get this, filled with love. So it's about. So we make our commitments here. In just a moment, we're going to take our, connection, our, the, our, our offering. As we make our offering, I want you to take these, these connection cards and put them in the offering basket, right? But don't just put it in there and forget about it let's fulfill these things that we say to God. I want to start doing these things. And start them not out of, out of legalism, but out of purpose. Find what you are made for and find that joy. Now, there's also a place on there for prayer requests. God says that we're not supposed to do any of these things alone. He says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He gives a promise I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. He says, listen, I want you to talk to me and to bring me in, include me in this, because it's not just that you are doing the work. Christ is doing that work in you. And through you. So we want to talk to God. So if you've got issues, uh, prayer things that you would like us to bring to God, let us pray with you this week. And uh, invite God into this space and into our lives to do his good work. And that will be a great thing. All right. So let's pray for our offering. And, uh, and uh, then we'll have the worship team come back up here. And Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your great design. Father, I thank you for your intelligence, the, the fact that you can fit everything together perfectly. Lord, that to me is just uh, boggles my mind that you can not only construct the body but make it fit together so perfectly that every one of us has a role to play and it benefits everybody else. Or only you could do that. It is a, a living miracle, the church family. So, Father, since you have spent so much energy and thought and, and time and building this church body perfectly for what you called us to do. Masterpieces, as it says in the word. Father, help us discover our shapes. 
Father, empower us, equip us, and Father, nudge us into the good work that you have called us to do. And in that, Father, I pray that you would do your good work in us and through us. Build this body, Father, in health and in truth and in love. And God, I pray that in doing so, that you would help us to be your hands and feet in this Estes Valley. Help us to care for this community. Help us to love the people around us and to build your kingdom even in the hearts of those who don't know you yet. Father, I thank you for this purpose. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your design. Lord, so we give these commitments to you. We also give you our tithes and our offerings and investment in your great kingdom. Lord, it is a privilege to serve you. And so we get to pray in the wonderful name of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen.